needed. We think about the work of God and the need for people to be in ministry, serving the Lord. Uh, on our prayer letter is uh, that we will pray for laborers. We need laborers. We need laborers going to the mission field. We need laborers uh, going into Christian service across the board. Uh, we need laborers. Uh, and with that, the Lord said, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. You know, labor entails work. It entails work. And we need laborers. But somehow we have distance and we have put a difference between the work of the laity versus the, the work of those in ministry. And you won't really find a difference in the Bible. Every one of us, as we, as we look at our life, those that are young, uh, they are just learning how to work. And parents, make sure you're teaching them to work. So vital. The teaching, training, it's, it's necessary. We're preparing them for life. But most of us, we, we work. Now, why is it that we work? Is it we work just to survive? I'm getting a lot of looks, Pat. This isn't a trick question. But a lot of times, that is the reality. We go to work just because we absolutely have to so we can survive. But it's bigger than that. If it's not bigger than that, then we have no purpose there. I don't want to be the, the person in the hamster wheel that's just spinning and just running as far fast as I can run and not get anything accomplished. So we're going to look at this, the philosophy of work. Uh, but with that, we need to uh, have a proper view of work. And most will have to work somewhere doing something in order to survive. But if that is our only goal, that is our only motive, then we're missing out on uh, the major purpose. So tonight we'll look, look at this good work. And so I want you to see, first of all, the Lord works. The Lord works. You know, God is still working. You know, he, he created, we have record, and the record that we have of God working, that's not the beginning of God working. That is just the beginning of our knowledge of what he has done. Sometimes people will say, well, pastor, what about all these other things that could be? We have no idea what could be. We know what God has revealed to us Praise the Lord, he has given us a Bible. He has manifested truth to us. Uh, he has written it on the tables of our heart. He has shown it in creation. Uh, he has revealed it through his word. Uh, so we have knowledge of some of the things that God has said, but 
Even, even the Lord's work here on the earth, uh, if the heavens, uh, there wouldn't be enough room uh, for all the books to, uh, to be written of all that he had done. And so uh, the Lord, uh, he works, the Lord works. And our, our God has not left us down here just to fend for ourselves. He is still working. He's still working. He's still in control. We think about uh, all, and I mentioned all the things that are going on in the world around us, and it looks like things are out of control. But I'm, I am sure that over the years and decades and centuries and millennia, that there have been a lot of people that thought God was not doing anything. But we have record of what God did in those situations. And God, God is working. So let's go back to Genesis and let's just see some of uh, the work that he has done. Go to Genesis chapter number one uh, and let's look together at verse number five. Genesis chapter one and verse number five. The Bible says, And God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. So here we have uh, re- the record of the first day that the Lord was working, all right? Uh, skip down to verse number eight. And God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. So we have these events of the Lord working, and he's telling us that the end of each one of these days, uh, verse number 13, and the evening and the morning were the third day, verse 19, the evening and the morning were the fourth day, the verse 23, he said, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Look down at verse 31. Uh, he said, uh, and God saw everything that he had, what's that next word? made. God worked. God was doing something. And God in his work, he looked and saw everything that he made. And behold, it was very good. It was very good. You know, the Lord works. And what he does is not just average. It's not good enough. It's very good. And he, he works and he did uh, everything very good. Skip down to chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day God ended his, what's that next word? Work. work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his, What? work which he had made and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So we have a God who works and God works and, uh, and God worked on the six days of creation. He, he worked on that seventh day. He rested. Uh, he rested because he worked. Rest, rest is a reward. Rest is not a right. Think about that. Rest is a reward. We live in a world where people think that they have rights for everything. 
Man, I wish somebody would have told my dad that. <laughs> uh, man, I didn't have any rights at all. Uh, and so, uh, no, there were, there were no rights. And my kids wish somebody would have told them, their dad, that too. But uh, no, uh, they're, they're, rest is a reward. It's a reward for work. And work is good. We are to be godly, Right? What does that mean? God-like. Godly is God-like. So the attributes of God, though we cannot have the eternal attributes of God, there are characteristics of what God does that he wants us to have. Uh, we are to be followers of Christ. Uh, and as we are following Christ, Paul said, follow me as I also follow Christ. Uh, there, were, there were things that we were to do and a lifestyle that we are to take on that is given uh, to us. So God works. Uh, number two, work is godly. Work is godly. Go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Genesis 2 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now skip down to verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden. What, is, what did he put him in there for? To dress it and keep it to dress it and keep it. This is before the fall. Work is not part of the curse. God made Adam, and he had a job already prepared for him. God had already planted a garden about 12 years ago. Uh, we got here uh, 13 years ago, but that, uh, that next year we had interns. And we, we brought in some interns from a Bible college. And where our house is sitting now, uh, we had, uh, we had uh, plowed up uh, about a 30 or 40 by 60 area. And we planted a garden. And when we planted that garden, the interns then came. And when they came, I would take them out to the garden. And I told them that part of their responsibility was to take care of that garden. And I, I told them, I said, these little plants that have already been planted, you can't drag the hose across them because you will break these tender plants. You can't walk on them. You have to take care of this ground. You have to pull out the weeds so they can be cared for. You have to water them every single day. And after I'd finished with all the instructions, I looked at him and I said, this garden I planted, it's my garden. Don't destroy it. I then told them that this church is my garden. Our people 
or plants. Some of them were baby plants. And if you're not careful, you can injure them and hurt them. You can cause them to to be killed, spiritually speaking. And I said, take care of the garden. And all summer long, they were reminded about that. That you have to continually water and nourish and take care of. You know, God had that plan for Adam before Adam was ever created. God had a garden for him. He had something for him to do. God had a plan uh, for Adam. It was to take care of that job. And man was given a job to do. God works, but man made in the likeness of God, man is to work. And that is not a curse. It's not a curse. Now, With that, as we work, we have to realize there's purpose in it more than just a job. So, number one, the Lord works. Number two, work is godly. Number three, and this is last, be encouraged. Not too encouraged. We got plenty of time. Work is a way to glorify God. Work is a way to glorify God. You know, I am so thankful God has called me into the ministry. I I am thankful for that. I'm thankful uh, for that opportunity to be in ministry. But God doesn't call us all into ministry. But God has a plan for all of us. And just like God has a plan for me, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your life. God is not surprised that you are here. Sometimes parents are surprised. They weren't expecting a child. But God, God is never surprised. God knows exactly who we are when we got here. He knew exactly what he wanted us to do. He knew the the opportunities that he was going to give to each and every one of us. And work is a way to glorify God. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 10, our staff have heard this all week long. This is our staff verse. Last week, it was all week was teacher training, getting them prepared for school. This week is all staff training, and uh, so we've been we've been spending time together uh, and just going over philosophy of ministry. But here, First Corinthians ten thirty one: Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Does that include your job? Amen. Absolutely it does. My vocation isn't any more important than your vocation.
My vocation is ministry, but your vocation is ministry as well. If all we do is go to work to get a check so we can get gone, we miss our purpose. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying here? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of of God. That means when you get up in the morning and you're preparing to go to work, you need to realize you're going to work for the Lord. And, and in that day that you want to make sure that you glorify God. And as you go to work and as you are laboring hard and the people that you work alongside that cuss and use the Lord's name in vain, they need the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has put you there to be a light to them. Man, it's, I'm getting a lot of blank stares right now. The reality is, all of us, God, he knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly who he puts it in our path. He knows who he wants us to be a witness to, a light to. And they may not accept, and, but you and I need to be a, 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 a light to them. We need to be a tool that God can use to help share with them the love of God uh, and to share with them what a believer uh, looks like and acts like and how they, how they live their life. Uh, we need to be uh, realizing that we are an ambassador for Christ. Uh, we are in Christ's stead when we are with others. God has given us a unique opportunity. And it doesn't matter where that's at. It can be at the mill. It can be at the plant. It could be in a classroom. It could be uh, at a shop. It could be in the hospital, a clinic. It doesn't matter where it's at. It could be in a precinct. It can be in a, uh, in a a fire station. Uh, it can be uh, no matter where we think of uh, what that job uh, looks like, but there is an opportunity for us to represent the Lord right there. You know why people come to Christ? Because someone confronts them with the gospel. There is, there is a need that they have. You know, visitors that come, many of the visitors come, though we have people that will come uh, because of uh, the different ministries, whether it's uh, soul winning, uh, whether it's uh, the, uh, uh, the school, or whether it's the bus routes. Uh, there are so many different ways. Uh, we just had Miss Pam got saved two weeks ago, got baptized Sunday, uh, and uh, she, uh, her, her her friend came with her to see her get uh, get baptized, and she told us, "I have been pay I have been praying for Pam to get saved for forty years." Amen. This senior lady got on a Sunday school bus two weeks ago. Got saved. Praise the Lord, Greg. You got baptized two weeks ago. Amen. He's had two strokes, and it was hard for him to get baptized. In the same, uh, same service two weeks ago, we had an 80-year-old man also get baptized. He had just gotten saved. And this lady last week, she, she got saved the same morning that you got baptized. And she told, she told us, I can't get baptized. I, I, I'm just uh, too afraid of going up there and getting into that water. And then she saw you two. 
Get in the water. Get baptized. And here you have two believers that just get baptized and they're already the responsible for somebody else following the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. God's, God's working all the time and God wants to use you. God wants to use you in the lives of the people that you come in contact with. It might be an employee. It may be an employer. It might be a coworker. Uh, it might be somebody that you don't even know. But when you are uh, going into those doors at work and you are doing a job, uh, that job is an opportunity for you to bring glory to God. And let's live that way. Let's live that way. Let's go to Daniel chapter number three. Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter three, and we're gonna read quite a few verses here. Follow along. Uh, Daniel chapter three and verse number one. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura uh, in the province of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whosoever and whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, sultry, and all kinds of music, uh, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, sultry, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down to worshipeth, uh, that he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? 
Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now, you have to stop and just think about uh, these boys. In 586 BC, uh, Nebuchadnezzar came and he besieged uh, Jerusalem and he took out different, uh, different uh, groups of, uh, of men and young men uh, and they were deported uh, back to Babylon. In uh, 580, this is six years difference, six years now, they have been in Jerusalem or they have been in Babylon as servants of King Nebuchadnezzar. And now after these six years, they are still serving their God. They have still been a witness for God during this time. And the king sets up a monstrous image. Here it is. It is 60 cubits, 90 feet tall. It is nine feet wide. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, the monstrosity of this idol. He sets it up and he says, you guys all have to bow. You know what? For these six years, these young men, they've been serving the Lord even though they've been going to work for a godless king. And you know what? All of these people, they were, they were watching them. Uh, these, these individuals, uh, they, were, they were paying attention to what these guys were doing. The princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, the rulers of the people. They were watching these three guys. You know why they were watching them? Because they knew they would not bow. They had watched them live the life of a believer. And all of a sudden, because of their testimony, they were given a platform. They were given a platform to bring glory to God. You know, you might not get that platform, same kind of platform, but you can bring glory to God in your workplace. You might not have the same opportunities and you might not be standing uh, before the king, a president, or someone uh, of that stature, but you and I can, uh, in our daily lives, we can stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. We can live the way that God would want us to live. And God was working in the lives of uh, these men and God was going to use them uh, and their testimony uh, for God's glory. 
And these people, they were, uh, they were watching uh, what was going to take place. Look at verse number 19. These three Hebrew boys, uh, they get tossed into this burning, fiery furnace. Verse 19, then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now stop and think about this. These three boys weren't fighting the king. They didn't need a mighty man to bind them. They didn't need the most, uh, the, the toughest of the SEAL team to, uh, to put them into, uh, into chains. Uh, these guys weren't fighting the king. But the king goes and he gets his most mighty men uh, to, to, uh, uh, to, to bind these guys. Uh, and so uh, it says that then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Verse 22, therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They still threw them in, but God was still there to vindicate them. I wonder if they thought, Lord, where are you at? We don't live in fear in our service for God. But there are some who do. These young men, here they are now being cast into this burning, fiery furnace. Be it known unto thee, O king, we will not bow. Our God is able to deliver us. And yes, he is. But if not, we will not bow. He's able. We know he's able. If he does, if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. What, what does it really take for us to stand for the Lord? You know what, I, th I think that it's going to take some persecution on American soil before Christians wake up. There are believers all around the world that have dealt with persecution, loss of life. Just talking, just talking to a Pakistani lady three weeks ago, we had a had the opportunity to, I had the opportunity to preach at a, a birthday party. 70 Hindu, Indian, Pakistani, some Muslim, some Christian. And this lady told about her story of what she had been through. We are so blessed. We, we, we have no idea about what persecution does. But we look in the book of Acts. You know what persecution does? Persecution causes the gospel to get spread. 
But here, these young men, right where they were at, they were going to serve. They were going to stand for the Lord. They did not bow. So they were cast into the fiery furnace here. And verse number 24, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste. And spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we three, uh, did we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said, King, true, O king. Uh, and he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like unto this, is like the Son of God. Now, how did he know that? You know, when the Lord shows up, you know it. He will not be misunderstood. When he shows his glory, people who do not know him are going to know who he is. And here this king, he looks in and he sees what has taken place and he sees the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of who? The most high God. What was it? Their, their testimony, their opportunities, these opportunities that they had based on their vocation, uh, their position. Here they were just doing their job. And as they were doing their job, as a believer, God gave them an opportunity. God gave them an amazing opportunity. And he's, he calls them out. Verse number 27, And the princes and governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed upon them. You know what we see? God was working. God was working. He was working in the midst of these lives of these people who are serving him. God wants, he is always working. And who knows, he might be working in our lives. But those opportunities would not have been given to these young men had they bowed. They could have said, well, you know, we really don't believe it. We're still serving God, but we'll bow just to get you off our case. But they weren't going to do that. And because of their faithfulness to God, they got to see something amazing. They got to be a part of that. I can't wait to see this happen. I've already told you, first carry one, one. We're going to see it big screen when we get to heaven. We're going to see Peter walking on water. Here it comes. He's going down. He's going down. Yep, there it is. Lord grabs him, pulls him back up. I, I feel like the Lord's going to let us see it all. Uh, we've got eternity uh, to, to see what is going to happen. But I, I, would I want to see this. These are one of those things where I would love to have been there. Uh, but we see how God uh, was working in their lives. Their faith was used to be a witness toward the king. Look at verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants and trust that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, language which speak anything amidst um, against uh, the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. What was it? These guys were a witness for the Lord. God gave them an opportunity. And God wants, he's still working. He's still working. And he can use you and me. He can use our kids. God God has, God knows exactly what's going on. He knows who he's bringing across our path. And there's, there are ways for us to allow God to use us to bring glory to him. We go on to Daniel chapter 4, and for time's sake, I'm not going to read the rest of the verses here. But in verse 15 through 17, we see how Nebuchadnezzar is lifted up. Rejects God, and God turns his heart. But in it, verse 34 to 37, we see how when he comes out of it, how now Nebuchadnezzar is glorifying God. Daniel 4, 34 And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto the heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High God. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? At that same time, my reason returned unto me and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned unto me and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me and I was established in my kingdom and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. God works. God works. And we might not understand the circumstances. We might not understand the events. But let's go to work looking for God to work. Let's go to work and say, Lord, I don't know what you want to do today but I want to be that vessel that you can use. I don't know who it is that I'm going to come across their path today, and I don't know what you're doing in their life, but help me to be light to them. You see, there's good work to be done. And your work is bigger than just a paycheck. Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, 
do all to the glory of God. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that you'd help all of us as we look into our own lives. May uh, you put your finger on some areas. Lord, maybe there's been some loss of purpose. Maybe we haven't put that into our mind and our thoughts that we can go to work for you tomorrow. We can step into that job and that position looking for ways to bring glory to you. And so I pray that you'd work and help our people, give them the strength, give them the words, give them the opportunities. And Lord, may you just continue to work in the lives of people. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And you say, Pastor, the Lord spoke to my heart tonight. God put his finger on something in my life. There's something that I'm going to do business with God in. There's some changes. There's some purpose that I'm going to have. We're not going to have an altar call tonight, but if the Lord spoke to your heart this evening, uh, just slip your hand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, Father, you know the needs, and, and Lord, you know exactly what you're doing to work in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to yield ourselves to you and follow you. So bless now as we head our own ways. Give us strength and help. Uh, meet the needs that we have as we endeavor to serve you. For Christ's sake, amen.